beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Joshua, what's going on today? Oh, today's uh, another amazing, amazing day, amazing episode that we got going on. It's one of my favorite things to do is to do these episodes on specific holidays or for specific reasons. And today is uh, one of those days that we've done many times. We're having a Father's Day episode. Yeah, today we get to do a Father's Day episode with two of my favorite people, Dr. Joshua Black and Darwin Dave. And if you uh, recall, if you listener, if you are a frequent listener of the show, that you know that Darwin Dave has been on many times. A lot of great insights and just just a great friend in general. So uh, he appears on episode 18, 37, 75, and a couple other ones. Um, <laughs> a couple other ones as well. Uh, yeah, 37 and 75 are past Father's Day episodes, so if you want to listen to those, Darwin's also on those too, so it seems to be a great tradition we're having that he's always free to come on and to chat about our, our loss, about losing a father on Father's Day. So there's been some exciting events happening recently, and we wanted to touch upon those. And number one is that the Toronto Raptors have won the NBA 2019 championship. What, what? Say it again, Sean. I don't think they heard you. The Toronto Raptors are champions, ladies and gentlemen. And, I, and you know, jo- Joshua Black and myself have been fans uh, since we were born, pretty much. Um, if you don't know, it's been first. It's the first championship we've ever got. It's 24 long years uh, since the inception of the team. So just proud of everybody. You know, just it's been a wonderful series. Uh, we've, we played some well, an amazing team in the Golden State Warriors uh, a true champion, and you want to take it from a true champion. Sorry for the injuries that uh, KD and uh, Clay Thompson had. That was unfortunate. Um, uh, nonetheless, uh, here we are today. So it, it feels great. Joshua, how does it feel? It's it's surreal. And when just by what you're talking about, I'm like, I remember my first Toronto Raptors, going to my first Toronto Raptors game, my dad took me, and he got tickets from a scalper, I remember. We were in Toronto that day. And uh, I got to sit with them. And it was a fun time. I think Vince Carter was on the team around that time. So it was a w- long, long time ago. But yeah, it's, uh, there's something about sports that sometimes brings families and sons and dads together. And for, for me, Toronto Raptors is one of those. I know he would have loved seeing this. He would have celebrated with us uh, because it's just it's one of those things that you don't get a chance to do that often. Oh, that's that's very special. I actually didn't know that. And uh, yeah, I remember as a kid going uh, doing the sports events with you, with my father, and uh, it definitely something special that comes from that. So we have one other one other amazing event that happened recently, and that was that the St. Louis Blues have achieved uh, their championship first time in their series, and that is uh, again your hometown, Darwin. Yep. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. And yeah, it's been um, they've been in existence for 52 years. So uh, the first three years they actually did make the Stanley Cup, got swept all three years. Uh, the last time was in 1970 by Boston. And it just so happened that this year they uh, had a long awaited rematch against Boston and uh, they finally brought it home. Wow. Wow. How does that make you feel? Well, first of all, uh, being from St. Louis. It's great because the last time we've lost a championship in any sport, it was always to a Boston-based team. So the Rams lost to the Patriots, uh, the Cardinals lost to the Red Sox, and of course back in 1970, the Blues lost to the Bruins. So it was good to finally get a chance to stick it to Boston. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and as uh, you know, I, I know Boston eliminated Toronto Maple Leafs a few times in the last how many years? So I'm, you know, that, that kind of that's a little bit sweet for us as well. You know, it's all fun. You know, uh, again, you know, props to, to Boston not trying to alienate those listeners. It, it's it's really cool to have that, and you know, we there's similarities there because again, Toronto went, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs have gone years and years, and Toronto the city in general has gone years without championships. And you know how that feels, especially if you are a fan of a sport, because, you know, your heart goes into the team and you invest in it. And it's just you it it brings everybody together. And to go losing uh, so many years, it can be hard on a fan. But, you know, when you get that uh, sweet, sweet taste of victory, like both of our teams have, it's uh, it's worth the waiting. And, you know, I'm just happy for uh, the city of Toronto and the city of St. Louis. Uh, I think it's an amazing thing for both of them. I was going to say, Darren, did uh, your dad ever watch the the Blues? No. You know what? I don't remember my father actually being a big sports fan. And I guess he never really had a chance because all I can remember is he worked a lot. So our store was open seven days a week. So he would be working on Sundays, which was basically the big football season. Uh, Mm. St. Louis was primarily, at least when I was growing up, a huge football and mostly baseball town. So uh, we'd listen to games on the radio all the time. But in terms of watching games now, we never watched a whole lot of football or in hockey a case in this case either. Yeah. And I think also that um, hockey kind of uh, at least hockey viewership came a little late to the United States. I, um, I think like uh, they really blew up, you know, I think in the 90s when they started bringing a Fox and a couple other big broadcast uh, networks started having the hockey games on TV. So I think that allowed people to become you know, bigger fans and that fan base grew. Well, I can tell you uh, specifically in St. Louis, uh, hockey sort of exploded again or really had a renaissance when uh, Brett Hall joined the team. There was some talk before he came, I guess right after he got there, that the Blues were actually going to be sold and moved to Canada. They were going to move to Saskatoon, believe it or not. There was a big brouhaha about that for a couple of months, and uh, the team was finally sold and uh, remained in St. Louis. Wow. Yeah. I remember those uh, Brett Hall teams, a uh, phenomenal player. And I'm I, again, like I'm, I don't watch hockey that much, but I'm surprised when I heard that, Oh, well, this is the blues first championship in my head. I'm like, man, I, I remember them having amazing teams, but you know, it, it's just, that's how elusive it is, elusive it is to get a championship. You know, it, it's hard and, and difficult. And, and I, and again, that just makes it that much more sweeter uh, when you do achieve that goal. So we wanted to, one thing we were talking about before the show was to, there was a lot of Raptors players who uh, who who had deaths in their in their family, specifically their fathers passed away, uh, and, and also at a young age. And uh, talking about grief, loss, and dreams, uh, you know that's something that we like to obviously uh, unravel a little bit. So let's get into that. So I'm, I'm just gonna just speak briefly about uh, who these players that we wanted to highlight. Number one, obviously, uh, Kawhi Leonard. His father was killed when he was 16. Uh, he was shot at least 10 times and was pronounced dead at the hospital. So they had a family car wash uh, that Kawhi used to work at, his father uh, used to work at, and uh, that's where he was killed at the car wash. So, And his father was 43 years old. Fred Van Fleet, another player, his dad uh, was shot in 1999 when Fred was only five years old. Uh, his dad died during a drug deal in an inner city apartment where he was shot to death. And lastly, Pascal Siakam. He was in college at the time when his father was killed in a car accident. A note on this was he wasn't able to attend the funeral, and that was something that he uh, regrets and, and wishes that he could uh, have done that. Uh, he was in the United States playing uh, basketball at the time. 
So these are, uh, you know, three basketball players uh, that, that have faced, uh, you know, this type of loss in, in life, like uh, many of us have. Um, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. You know, both of you have lost fathers. And, you know, do you see any similarities in these players? Uh, we'll start with Darwin. Thanks. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, you know, when you talk about being young and having or having a, a, a figure in your life that's supposed to mold what you're going to be like or help you to grow, it's sort of difficult to lose that. I know for myself, uh, moving forward, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know what questions to ask. You don't know who to go to. Uh, and you don't know really what you're going to miss out on in life. So I can sort of relate to those three experiences in terms of losing your father figure at a very pivotal age in your life. Absolutely. And you see, like, these guys are, are obviously young, um, other than Pascal. Pascal, but Pascal, even Pascal, it was a uh, during a transition period. So he's going through college, becoming, trying to learn how to become a man. And, you know, his father passes. And you talk about Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, he was he was also young uh, in high school when that happened. Fred Van Fleet was five years old. So all these are, you know, important times in, in a child's life um, where these deaths have occurred. Uh, Joshua, let's let's talk about you. Do you see what do you see in this? The similarities or uh, things that stick out for you? Well, first, before we go to my story, Darwin, could you just remind the listeners on how your father died? Yeah, my father was shot and killed in a robbery attempt in a convenience store that uh, my parents owned uh, the night before their 14th wedding anniversary when I was just 10 years old. So your story is very similar to like Kawhi's and Fred's in the sense that um, their fathers were shot. Correct. Wow. Yeah, my my uh, journey was a little different. It was more like, I guess, uh, Pascal Siakam's in the sense of it was like just a, a random well it wasn't a car accident but he died um, just uh, from a heart attack uh, when he was in his room and uh, that was it so I was 24 at the time and you know it was, it was such a big shock but I look back now and, and looking at some of these stories and it's amazing how far these players have come in their life without a father you know like they probably had other male role models that have helped them along the way but that person that, you know, like you really want to impress, to, to make them proud almost of the sacrifices that they've done, they're just not there to celebrate, you know, some of those things. And hopefully we'll talk about that soon about celebrating big moments because for Fred and Pascal, these are, this is the first championship for them both. Right, Sean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So like for them, Kawhi's had one championship prior with the Spurs. But for them, like I can only imagine the joy, but also the sadness that is going through them at this moment. Yeah, what, what, what's it, what's interesting as well is these 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 guys are stars in the NBA. We all look at them from one angle, and their 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 loved ones passed away, their fathers passed away, and they know them from a different angle, and. You know, it's just interesting where we see the player, unless you hear really the story, you see Kawhi Leonard, Siakam, or Fred Van Fleet, unless it leaks out or they, you know, you hear a story of like, well, this is what happened in their life. This is a trauma, traumatic event that they're, they're, that, that happened to them. You don't really look at them like that. You look at them like stars. So this brings kind of a, uh, like a, obviously a human element, something that you can see in that and, and 
it makes you wonder more of like, hmm, I wonder how these guys have overcome these challenges. Is it interesting for you guys when you meet people who know the inner workings of your relationship with your father or, uh, you know, either know your father closely and uh, knew him closely. And then now you, you, you're meeting them after is as opposed to someone who you're explaining for the first time and never knew your father. What's that like? Well, I know for me, it's sort of uh, some mixed emotions. One of the things that my uncle, my father's brother, had always told, what his actions they always told me, but one of the things that he mentioned to me probably about maybe 10 years ago was that he thought that I would be like my dad and have my own business sort of like my father. And I do have some things that I run on the side outside of my day job as a contractor, but I sort of get uncomfortable a lot of times around people that knew my father, because then in the back of my mind, after listening to my uncle, I sort of wonder what they think about me. It's easier for me to explain things to people who don't know me because there's no expectation. Mm. But for people who knew my father growing up and for him to have had multiple businesses and to do multiple things, I often wonder what they think about me or what they think that I should or should not be doing at this stage of my life. Yeah, you know, for, for me, I that's probably one reason why I talk to my grandma as much as I do is because she knows my father and she's willing to talk about him. Most people in my family, there's just not that sense of maybe understanding of where I, I am in my grief journey. I know my mom talks about it a little bit, but, you know, she separated my father and there's some, you know, things that were done that, you know, she's still trying to work through. And then my two older siblings, um, they had a rough time with my father. And then my youngest one, uh, youngest sister, she's probably has the most feelings towards that. But even there, it's hard to connect with her to to share her story because she's going through a lot too. So uh, for me, it, it's um, I love telling the stories of of my father to new people. That's probably you know one reason why I love doing presentations and stuff a lot. But there's also a deep sense of sorrow that no one really fully understands it, like my relationship with him. And it's very hard to articulate that with all the memories and all the dynamics that occurred throughout my whole life for me to get to a place where I actually enjoyed being around him because it was a very difficult situation throughout. But like no one really understands that truly. And, you know, I, I think, you know, there is this loneliness there to that. And so you try to talk about it as much as you can. But there's always a part that says, like, this is really my own journey. And there's nothing I can say to articulate it to get people to fully understand. And that's not anyone's problem. It's just like there's a lot of things you just can't articulate, like graduating, recently graduated from Brock University with a PhD and, and what that felt like, you know, like the struggles that it took to even get there to achieve that. It's very hard to articulate. I can get that. I can feel that. And uh, it makes sense to me. You know, you you saw, uh, let's say, a 360 view of your father, you know, hearing what he says, seeing him, you know, going through all that and, and both you guys and, uh, you know, trying to trying to explain to someone what a person was like uh, is difficult. You know, they, they, they get the, you know, uh, cover of the book, but not the actual content. Well, yeah, you get the sympathy when you say you lost your father, but they don't fully understand why you're why you're mourning or why you're grieving they just have this idea and they put it on you and then you go with it because there's not enough time to really sort of sit sit them down and say actually this is sort of where my emotions are coming from um but that's sort of that's just the way it is so this 
you know, winning a championship, you know, if you've lost your father is obviously a critical moment in your life. It's a milestone. It's, it's that, uh, it's a big event. And, uh, so I wanted to talk to you, both of you guys about, you know, what are some events that you've had and because just trying to understand of what those players who've lost fathers or emotions might be. Um, so we'll start with Darwin, Darwin, uh, with the milestones in your life and the events, what was that like? For the most part, you don't really think about it until it happens. And so for me, probably the biggest milestone or, well, yeah, the biggest milestone was probably the birth of my son. And <clears throat> you sort of think that I had a great relationship with my grandfather and that's something that he's never going to have. And then you sort of try to figure out how are you going to approach things like stories and whatever it is you want to tell him about the person he's never going to meet. And then in the back of my mind, you wonder how that's going to be received. Is that something that he's going to want to hear? Something that he's going to want to stay away from because it's going to be painful to hear things about somebody he's not ever going to know or going to meet? Uh, and are there going to be people that are going to sort of fill that role in his life? And that wound, that person wound up being my uncle, my father's brother. But when you go through those things, I tend not to think about them. I haven't really thought about them until after they were over and to figure out what impact might he have had if he'd been here to witness or be around for, you know, specific events. So in that moment of uh, joy, the, the, there's, there's, there's sadness and things creep in. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. What about you when you won your uh, podcast award? Was that, did that mean anything that your father couldn't be there? <sighs> Uh, well, you know what? That's sort of bittersweet because it's one of those things where had my father not died, I wouldn't have been in that situation. You know, it's, it's almost like a catch-22. But you know what? I, I think, man, and I know we're talking about fathers. I think for me, that hurt a little bit more because my mom wasn't there. Because getting back to something that Joshua said earlier in terms of a feeling of loneliness, I didn't, I never really felt alone after my father died because my mother was there. So when Josh saying that there was no one to really understand the feelings and everything that had happened, at least in my case, since my mother and myself were first responders, there had always been at least one person who could relate to what I was feeling. And so when my mother passed away, that's sort of when I had this overwhelming feeling of loneliness, even though, again, I've got a great support system, a great family, they don't really know. And they don't, I won't say that they don't get it, but there's nothing I can do that will allow them to understand exactly what I've gone through or how I've handled it or, you know, the, the emotional ups and downs. The only person that can relate to that now is gone. So, so for me, I'm sort of in, it's still in uncharted territory and I'm still trying to figure out how to handle it all. Joshua, what about you? You've had some you know, recently some, some moments in your life that, uh, you know, have been big for you, you know, a lot of happy times, you know, graduating and, and whatnot. And, and what, what do you think about during those times? And can you relate to these guys? Yeah, probably since I just recently graduated. And I think like the defense, I think we talked about it already about when I did my PhD defense, I, I was wondering if emotions would come up and nothing really came up and I was surprised. But it was only a couple months later that I realized that I must have suppressed it or pushed it to the side without fully like knowing that. 
um, because I, after the defense, I started to become more moody, a little more anxious, and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And then it turned out it was coming from the, that I didn't acknowledge or I didn't, I wasn't able to feel the loss because there's a part of me that really wanted my dad to be there to sort of shake my hand and say, you know, like, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you've done with my loss, but it's kind of weird because you have to be dead, right? It's that, it's that weird kind of thing that goes on where like you want them to be there, but why you're there is because they died. So, so for me, that was a very hard moment because I think my mind needed to do what it did to allow me to do the defense and do it really well. So I wasn't crying and just, <laughs> cause I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't be able to do it if I was just like very emotional. So it happened afterwards. And then, so now fast forward, you know, a couple, I think it was like four or five months, I'm able to be on stage. And for me, I had moments of joy because I was, it was really weird because I was first in line in the procession. So I felt like everyone was there for me. <laughs> that's, <laughs> so probably, that, that's probably because your name came first alphabetically. No, 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 no. It's actually, it's true. It's, uh, it's because of who I am. And so <laughs> they start with the best first. <laughs> but, you know, but there was a moment there where you're walking down and it's almost like, you, like in my mind, I felt like it was for me. But in the sense of what I've been through, it's like, it's like, as you, you imagine, they understand who isn't there, you know, like you're, you're make believe that, you know, your father's not there. So like they're, they see that, or they can sort of value that. But the truth is they can't. And so when you go there, you have this joy, then you also have the sadness and it all came up in different ways. And so the, the I think the saving grace was the speeches um in that that happened there's three speeches that um, people gave in the phd and they were so boring and dry they they killed that that mood that i came in with which is nothing knockins brock but just like (laughs) (laughs) but but it's the truth it's absolutely i'm just talking the truth but I had a lot of emotions going in because there was these drums and the music and everything was just like building up this emotion. And then that kind of flatlined the emotion. And then once I got back on stage and I was walking up stage, I was really nervous because I didn't really prep you on what to do. So um, I couldn't really feel that out until I sat down. So I got to sit on stage after, rece- after receiving my um, degree. You get to sit on stage with all the other doctors and professors. And when I was there, I had a little more emotion come up. But then again, you get kind of bored because you're just watching people walk across the stage and you don't know any of them. The biggest moment for me was when I saw my aunt there. And I saw her, she took a picture of me, but I didn't fully click in. I was just shocked to see her because she didn't tell me she was coming. But at the end of the, after everyone was gone, so you take all the pictures with everyone, you take everything. Um, then you go alone uh, back to your car to drive away. And I got a text from her saying, like, she said, sorry, I couldn't stay the whole time and I had to go. And then I like, then I just sat with that and I said, well, thank you for coming. You know, like you, you were the one that was there in place of my father, you know, like you're his sister. And I cried, I cried for a good like minute there. And uh, it was good. It was really good to let go and to, to let it out because when I was in the graduation ceremony, like I had tears, but I was also not trying to go 
too emotional because there's also that joy too. You're trying to embrace the moment. So when I was alone, I was able to more go into that sadness and to really feel it out a little bit more. And then from there, I said like, this is the next time I've, I've cried a little bit from it. But it's just like, it's a lot. And you're just processing in the moments in which they come. And you just really don't know. So that's why like with these people who've won championships, right now like they're probably feeling a lot of joy they're getting drunk it's a lot of celebration but it's when those i think when they're going to be alone that's going to hit them the most i know even with siakam he writes r.i.p dad on his shoes as a way to memorialize his dad every time he plays and you know with this the phd the whole thing was really you know it's a part of my dad like he he's the one that you know died and he's i had the dreams of him and then from there, like pass opened and it was just keeping his memory alive. Part of it was keeping his memory alive. And so for me, it was like, a, it's a great conclusion to one of the chapters I'm living in the sense of what loss has, what loss has done in my life and what kind of things you can accomplish through the journey that you never would have thought you could in the beginning. So uh, getting back to this, I know that pre-show, Joshua sort of reached out to me and asked me if there were any blues players that lost their fathers. And one of the things I failed to mention is that uh, they have a forward, Sanford, Zach Sanford, who lost his father in September while he was actually trying to make the team. So his father had a heart attack, and basically he had a conversation with his mom about whether or not he should stay and try to make the team or if he should come home and see his father. They were trying to make sure we're trying to see if there was anything they could do for him. He decided to stick around because he said his dad would want him to try to make the team. And again, the thing that makes this so ironic is that uh, Sanford is from just outside of Boston and um, he wound up scoring a goal in game seven. Uh, matter of fact, the last goal of the game for the wow. Blues. Wow. And um, yeah, he was really emotional after the game. So to think about, the person who taught you the game, who coached you up, who was the inspiration behind you trying to make the team uh, after being traded in your rookie season, after what he had, um, uh, the first year he played with the Blues, he wound up having a dislocated shoulder. When he came back, he had a bruised lung. And then this year, you know, he's fighting for a spot in the team. And to have that all come to fruition by, you know, being able to raise the cup over your head. I just sort of get inspiration from people sort of like Joshua and from Zach Sanford who have been through things and find a way to persevere, man, to just, I won't say to get it done, but, but to find a persevere, a way to persevere and to honor those people who have invested whatever they've invested in you. And sometimes man, that, that's all that keeps me going, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, that's, um, that's a great, uh, that's a great point. I was just thinking during the the chaos of, you know, sports and NBA in, in a championship type setting, I would imagine that, uh, you know, it focuses is, is the number one priority and, and trying to play your best and going back and thinking about those things that bring you back down to, to kind of uh, be able to focus yourself that ground you in this time that's so chaotic and I would imagine thinking about your loved one that's passed and about your father that's passed away, players can use that to kind of ground them, you know, uh, help them think about what's the most important. And even in uh, just, just reading about Pascal Siakam's life, you know, he says that he used to discuss with his father, this is for the whole family. This is what drives me. 
Right. Uh, but most of all, for my dad, I still think about the conversations he had with me and my brothers. He was so excited talking about basketball and the NBA. And uh, I just thought that was interesting that, uh, you know, using that as a, as a kind of motiv motivation to kind of stay level headed and, and propel you forward. Uh, have you guys had that or, or, or do you guys re does that resonate with you guys? Actually, for me, it does. There, there's no greater example when you're saying that. There's no greater example for me, since we're talking sports, um, of Michael Jordan. Mm. So after his father gets killed, he leaves the game for a couple of years and he comes back. And I don't know if I don't know if you remember watching that series. But, you know, when they finally win it again, you know, it's him with the Larry O'Brien trophy laying on the floor. And he's just, you know, weeping, you know, just crying uncontrollably. Yeah. So to think that the reason that you come back might be to honor the person again that you've lost or to use that as a driving motivation to complete whatever it is you're trying to complete in their honor or, you know, because you know that they will want you to be a certain something or to do a certain something and then to achieve that and then to just, you know, emotionally let it all go is it, amazing. Yeah. And this, especially um, the St. Louis player, Sanford, you know, his father recently died. So yeah. he, you know, he's got to decide and think about this. Like his father obviously saw his journey, you know, saw him play amateur hockey, go through the professionals, you know, probably really proud of him. And to, to lose someone, obviously you're in the professional sports and now you lose someone that's hard on so own. But, you know, he, he decided to kind of use that as, as a motivational chip and say, you know, well, I'm going to, do this for a different reason. I think that's a, I think that's, that, that goes along with it making, making sense of the world. You know, Kawhi Leonard said something very interesting in an interview where he said when his, after his father died, he realized that like, you know, basketball is basketball, but life is life. Like, you know, they're separate and, you know, basketball is a game, but like life is where is most important. You know, you want to be with the loved ones and, and be happy and, and just have a successful family and all that. So to, to have a death in your family with your father and then take that motivation and say, well, you know, I'm going to do him proud or I'm going to, you know, now be the best that I can be. You know, that's, that's, uh, that really is, is a strong sentiment and a strong course of action. Yeah. It really makes your life. If you take it that way, it can make your life have more meaning. So before my father died, I was just in school I got good grades because I got good grades. That's what I was supposed to do. But now it was, it was less about the grades and more about the topic and helping others through their loss. It was just a different feel. And you have more strength and perseverance and courage to face some of the, the hardships that go along with trying to achieve something so grand as, you know, um, say for getting the PhD or just doing a topic that there's a lot of judgments on. And, you know, for me, it was just like, yeah, the motivation, I, I continued to, to do it. You know, I think it started for my father, definitely. Um, and then it started to, I realized how big the topic was. And then you're doing it for all the other people who have lost fathers, mothers, daughters, pets that don't have a voice. And so it's interesting how it blossoms to something bigger. And so your life continues to have more meaning than it once did. Uh, that's all I have. <laughs> well, There's I got a question. I, I do have one question. Yeah, yeah. S since we're talking about fathers, Joshua, I have I do have one question for you, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this. If you've if you had never had a dream about your father, what would you be doing now? 
It's a good question. Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't be here to tell you tell you that. Yeah, I don't know. And that's how scary that is almost, right? Like you wouldn't, you don't know because my life changed so much. I, I wanted to be an elementary school teacher, but then after he died, I decided I didn't want to do that. So I was in that limbo phase where it's like, who do I want to be? Who am I? What, do I, what makes me happy? And that's why I went to volunteer with the bereaved as a way to just give back and try to figure stuff out. And then that led to them talking about their dreams and stuff. So yeah, like I, I wouldn't be here. I know that. Where would I be? Oh man, I don't even know. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. I could be a mess. I could be, you know, you know, I don't know if I would go into drugs and stuff. That wasn't my thing back then. But, uh, you know, I might just be a, an emotional mess because my life would, may not have had the meaning, but it does. Right. And I think this is the beautiful thing where I, where I, when I talk about like how the joy, there's so much joy, not only that I was able to do so much and continue to do so much that have purpose and meaning in my life, which not everyone has that, but to like what it would be like if I didn't, you know, like it's such a scary thing to live a life that's meaningless or live a life that's full of sorrow with no extra meaning or, or motivation to be more. So that's why there's like, that's the joy. There's a lot of gratitude there that, you know, through this, I found a way, you know, I found a way to give my life meaning that I wouldn't have, not to this extent anyways, if he didn't die or if I didn't even have those dreams. It's crazy to think about though, right? Like how your life completely changes because of a death. And like our friendship, we never would have met, you know, like I don't think we would ever met. Right. So it's just like, it's amazing to see what opens up when you start walking along this path um and start talking about it because really it's all it is you know we all had the courage to start talking about a topic that society kind of uh uh, puts down or or shushes you on and but we all sort of decided let's talk about this and then we found each other through just talking about it and i think you know there's something beautiful about that and i know it's helping with my process of the grief is being able to talk about it as you sort of just heard like i got you know i cried a little today and it needed to come out and it allowed me to feel and that's what we need and we need to feel like especially on father's day we need if you've lost a father or someone that was a role model to you to be able to feel is a very important part of the grief journey because as we're talking there's not a lot of people that can get us and but you still have to find a way to express those emotions that you know are probably desperately trying to come out. I know, like it's it's not every Father's Day I cry, but today today I did, and it's just like allowing yourself to do that and be there and be okay with that. And it's not about as I know Darwin you talked about. It's not it's not a lot of it's not about finishing the race. There's no race to finish when it comes to grief. You just right. process it when it comes out. That's really all it is. Acknowledge it when it's there. Process it, and then continue to move forward and and hopefully find meaning as you as you walk and and you talk to others well said so there's there is one thing that uh as we we wrap up the show is uh rather than ask about what dream you'd want to have darwin (laughs) at the end of all this (laughs) we know the many many times you've you've said dreams but what dream would you think um the st louis blues player may want to have um this weekend if he could Probably a picture of him and his dad on the ice uh, holding the cup. You know, as I watched the celebrations 
um, after the game, after they passed a cup around everybody, uh, a couple of the players did, in fact, have their families come down and he took pictures together. So I think that he would want to have that opportunity to have his daddy to come to him and tell him how proud he was or to come down and they have simply a, a picture with the Stanley Cup. It's not, something as simple as that. Nice. And you in the crowd? <laughs> Amen. Always. <laughs> I always want to be where the action is. <laughs> I always, that's me. With a beer I don't mind photo- and some uh, St. Louis barbecue. Hey, man, I don't, I don't mind photobombing pictures. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> photobombing dreams, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new one. New level. <laughs> it's funny. And, I, you know, like I... But you mentioned something, right, about, you know, knowing that the father's proud of them is how big that is. And I, I sort of see that, too, with uh, Pascal Siakam. The one thing he, he does say is uh, people always tell me, I know he's proud of you. But he says, I kind of want to hear it from his mouth. That would be really cool. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if, for him, it'd be great for him to have a dream of his father telling him that, that he's proud of him, how far he's come. Um, and they congratulate him on the on the championship. Just a short dream, you know, but just enough to hear those words from his father. Maybe get a hug, um, but not in the stadium. Probably mm-hmm. back back in uh, where does he live? Where is uh, he's from the Congo? Yeah, the Congo. So back probably there um, would probably be Cameroon. Sorry, uh, Cameroon. Cameroon. Oh yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, so probably something like that would be very meaningful to him to give him that extra boost and um, to maybe even come on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I look at um, I look at if you if you did watch the games, then uh, on the Golden State side, you would see Steph Curry's parents, you know, Del Curry, and I forget. I'm sorry, I forget the mother's name. But you'd see them, and you know, every time they'd show them on the camera, they're so proud, they're clapping, you know. And and I always I always enjoyed that moment. And I would imagine if I had to put my head in these players, put put my mind in these players' heads, I would say that maybe they'd enjoy their parents you know in the crowd watching the game mm. clapping seeing the plays seeing the hard work you know and i i, I could see that oh that'd be a cool dream it's like it's almost a replay of the game but when they look one person in the audience is actually yeah. their father oh that'd be cool that'd be- <laughs> actually i got i got one one question did your parents your fathers ever see you guys play sports you guys are both well sorry darwin i i don't know if you're into sports but josh was into sports so or- yeah my dad did um okay i can remember uh man i can i can remember very vividly um him coming to two of my games the first game he came to i think um i played my butt off because uh, we had announcers in the uh, stadium, for, well, it wasn't a stadium, but at the field, had like this little cheesy uh, amplifier, and they would call off your name as you made tackles or whatever. And uh, I happened to make, what, one, two, three tackles that game. So uh-huh. uh, I got my name called, and every time I get my name called, I'd look at him, and you know, I'd, I'd see him smile. So, uh, yeah, that sort of warmed my heart. So it's pretty good. Uh-huh. We lost both games, but I got ice cream anyway, so that was a good thing. <laughs> well, that's, that's- – <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all you care about when you're a kid pizza ice cream that's amazing but like you know you have that memory with you and you know that's a that's a good happy memory to have um i myself i i my parents worked a lot so i i didn't get uh they didn't come to many games but uh, i remember there was one uh, i think my dad just snuck in and i was playing football high school football at the time and i think i saw him 
made me nervous, but I was still happy that he got to see what I do because I don't think they, they didn't know what I was doing. They didn't know it was tackle football and all that. Like, wait a minute, what is this guy doing? Um, but yeah, they, they did get to do that. Um, Joshua, did you ever have uh, your parents come to games? Yeah, like my mom was the one that really came to a lot of the games, but my, my dad worked a lot and he worked nights, so it was hard for him. But I was on traveling lacrosse team and traveling basketball team, and so he would be the one driving and going there and watching those games. So it's always nice to see him there and, and, and being there. But yeah, I was more my mom that came to a lot of the, the high school basketball games or elementary basketball games. It was my mom that always showed up. I wish my dad would have come more. But as you said, like, you know, he, I know he was working a lot, but also when he wasn't working, he was, had his own issues that were going on. So he wasn't as supportive on that front. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I did strive for him to, to value the stuff I was doing and to try to, so that's why I try to score so many points is because mm-hmm. then your name's in the paper and you're like, hey, dad, look, I'm in the paper, right? Kind of thing. But uh, yeah, like it's, it's different now because my relationship with him was a lot different when he died than when I was a kid. And so, yeah, it's interesting how things change once you grow up. Um, because yeah, we just won. Shout out to our uh, co-ed rec championship. We just won a uh, championship ourselves. So that would have been cool to tell my dad about um, and what that would have felt like because it would have been on a different kind of playing field that wasn't doing it for him, but it was just like, hey, I won. And like he would have been like, oh, good job, man. That's great. How many Did you get a ring for that? <laughs> no, we got a hat though. What? what <laughs> champions, champions. It's not in the budget. Hamilton champions. Bam. <laughs> not in the budget. <laughs> No parade, no ring, no banner. Man. Oh, man. I, I wish, but it's all right. Hard work. You know, we'll just live through the Toronto Raptors as they do their parade. But uh, this, has been, uh, this has been good. Uh, any closing remarks, guys? But it's, uh, yeah, for me, you know, in terms of doing this episode, it just seems to be, I don't know if it's ironic or coincidental, that all these things, cities winning first championships in a specific sport, people losing their dads, Joshua graduating the weekend, and it all culminates really on a Sunday meant to honor the most important man in your life. It, it just, I don't know if the stars are aligned, but it's just a great thing uh, to see people be able to achieve so many different things in spite of what they faced. So, uh, yeah, my hat's off to... Uh, all the athletes involved, and uh, especially you to uh, Joshua. If nobody's seen Joshua's uh, picture of him walking across the stage, I will say he looks good in red. So, uh, again, cr- congratulations, Joshua. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate that. <laughs> the only uh, thing to, to say to maybe listeners who have lost someone is to feel it out, as I was saying. It, I think it's very important, and you can always email us or Darwin. I know Darwin's always good with that. If you ever want to chat or just send us uh, a message about who your father was to you, we're, we're here to listen to that. Um, and if you, if you know, maybe you haven't lost a father, but you know someone who has, I always say, just reach out and, you know, just, just give a message. Say, I know, you know, this may be a difficult time for you. And just say, like, remind them that their father did die. Because I know, like, if someone did that to me, I'd be honored that they remembered them. And then it may just be, it may touch me because so many people have forgot to say that. So it's just one of those things to keep in mind because, you know, these small words that we have 
that we can say can actually be so moving to people in their own journey to find encouragement, to feel like they're not alone. And one that's the biggest thing with the grief journey, it's a lonely, lonely journey. So when you can find moments of, I guess, lack of loneliness or to be heard, those are beautiful, beautiful times. I want to thank both you gentlemen here today, Sean and Darwin, because I felt heard today. And I appreciate that. It means a lot to me, I got to say, because I know it is a lonely road, but with you two guys, it doesn't feel as heavy. Thanks. I appreciate it. And, and to add on to what you just said, uh, Joshua, a lot of people uh, who are out there listening, sometimes you think that people don't want you to mention their loved ones and nothing could be further from the truth. Sometimes they want you to acknowledge the fact that those people did in fact exist and that they were a major part of their lives and they would just simply love for you to tell them a story uh, or whatever it is you know about that particular person. So don't shy away specifically well, on any day, especially Father's Day, Mother's Day, but it doesn't really matter uh, who the loved one was. You know, Feel free to mention them because, again, sometimes that's all people want is just to make sure that their loved ones are acknowledged. It was really enlightening talking to both of you, and and you know I, I enjoyed the conversation. You know it, we, we, you know the Father's Day ones are are unique, and the Mother's Day ones because you know they touch on your your own losses, and uh, you know that's something that we can learn from. And and you guys, you know, talk talk talked about we talk about sports and we talk about these players, and I think that if there's one thing that these players show us is that like life is bigger than sport. You know, it, it, it's, it, it just is. And they it's like, they've entered in different reasons for doing it. And I, I really like that. Like they've, they're thinking about the legacy and they're thinking about the memory of their loved one and using that to kind of help them remember what's important. And, and, you know, that's a beautiful thing to see. And I, I had a um, close family friend, you know, like a brother to me, his father passed away recently and I was talking to him and he was talking about how after his father's died, you know, he was kind of focusing on, you know, legacy. He was thinking about that. He was thinking about his father. Another thing he said was, you know, he's not married and you know, he wished his father, he wished he had gotten married before his father passed. And, you know, it, it's, it's those type of things that kind of, uh, again, yeah, look, you take an internal look into yourself and into your life, into your setting and, and, you know, maybe you throw away some things that are, aren't as important anymore. Maybe you make changes in your life. And uh, I think that's good to reflect on. It's good to reflect on, you know, again, those those loved ones that you did hold near and dear and that you cherish in your life. Yeah, it's interesting about the legacy, Sean, because I think that's, that's one of the things that his legacy is actually working through me. So his life is becoming more meaningful with the stuff I do. I think that's interesting to even think about because without that, you know, like his life wouldn't be as much. So, yeah, it's very interesting how like their legacy works through you. So like you're actually representing him or you're, like, I'm representing my dad in a way to give his life more meaning also. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're, you're connected, obviously, you know, you, you're the same genetics. That's your father. It's your parents. And, you know, it's something something clicks i guess where where you just think that like hey this is it's it's me as well at the end of the day you know uh he's in me and and that's that's a part of it and it's it's continuing that narrative continuing that that fa familial narrative if you will um so gentlemen we'll start with you darwin dave uh so you know we know we got the podcast dealing with my grief would you be able to tell the listeners where they can contact you and get uh, get more, get that information? 
and listen sure. to the podcast. Sure, no problem. Uh, you can listen to all episodes of the podcast at dealingwithmygrief.com. Uh, you can also email me at Darwin, D-A-R-W-Y-N, at dealingwithmygrief.com. And most recently, um, I've got a phone number for the show. So if you want to text me or call me, you can do so at area code 240-778-5200. How much do you charge per minute? <laughs> hey, man, I'm free. <laughs> I'm right. free. You know, I'm, I'm trying gonna, to pay it forward. I want to call you at 3 a.m. 4 a.m. Will you pick up? Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, I already I know what your number is, so I'm uh, there may not. Scream me. Oh, this guy, what does this guy want? <laughs> <laughs> no, it call me anytime, man. Yeah, for you, I'll always pick up. Oh, sweet. I won't do that. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, all right, so you can check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. Uh, we did add a donation button and our perks to those who donate. If you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams group. You can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others. And we are on Twitter and Instagram at Grief Dreams. And as always, uh, well, first of all, happy Father's Day to anybody out there. And as well, you know, we remember your fathers and we honor them uh, if you've lost your father and if you're having a hard time again. We love you. Uh, and again, with love and gratitude from us to you. Introduce myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.